Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Oblivion Spin Presents. I'm your host, Eric, and we are back today with episode 10 of The Eagle. When last we left off, James heard a single gunshot down the hall. James ran. James shoulders his way through the crowd of enforcers that had gathered in the hallway and outright shoved a set of officials who were blocking the office door out of his way. They stumbled slightly and then shut the door behind James. James lunged towards Wren, but two of the other officials in the room held him back. Calm down, Mr. Porter. It was self-defense. James addressed Wren directly. Self-defense? She had some fucking throwing knives. You could have subdued her without blowing half her fucking head off. Wren looked up at James, but sat quietly. Mr. Porter, you know she is deadly with those. Just a couple weeks ago, she came into the office and threw one at Wren's head. She did. I was here for that. You know goddamn well she would not have killed you, Wren. You know she likes to joke around. The third official finally spoke. She did not sound like she was joking around, Porter. She was yelling some pretty explicit threats that could be heard from my office, with the door shut. James recognized the third official's Carter, who worked three offices down. His vision felt red. That is just how Maury fucking talks. Maury has always been loud and menacing. That is her entire deal. You have your weird fucking rumors with the psychic shit. She threatens and taunts. Carter tried to make eye contact with James, but James continued to focus on Wren. Porter, she had her knife in her hand. I came over to investigate when the yelling escalated and got here maybe a second after the gunshot. James could see Carter gesturing to Maury out of the corner of his eye. She's exactly as she was when I came in. James finally looked at Maury's corpse. He had seen it, and it had registered, but he had not looked. She was holding the knife in her hand, how she'd often held it, joking around with James. More noticeably, she was dead. More noticeably, there was a neat little hole right between her eyes with the top and back of her head blown out and splattered against the wall and chair. A shot that seemed somehow a little too perfect for self-defense. James felt the grips on his arms loosen and evolve into pats of the shoulder and little condolences. He stood for a moment before lunging across the desk at Wren and grabbing him by the throat. James could feel Wren's pulse quicken and his breath catch, but Wren did not struggle. Wren maintained a calm eye contact that James almost felt a glimpse of understanding in before he was pulled off of him. James shoved the men off him, punching one and throwing the other to the ground. Carter pulled his gun and aimed it at James. James noticed, but did not particularly care. Would you kindly escort Mr. Porter home before he harms himself or anyone else, Mr. Carter? Wren spoke calmly. Home? He needs to go to goddamn medical and get his head checked. No James Porter I know would. Escort James home, Carter. Are you ever going to talk to me, you fucking maniac? James glanced at Carter. Get your fucking gun off me. He looked back to Wren. I know you can talk. Where's your bullshit justification you're planning on spinning into another fucking rumor about how great you are? Or have you not got one this time? Wren rubbed the back of his neck. It was red where James had grabbed it. You should have been honest with me sooner. He glanced down at Maury, then back to James. Send my condolences to Oliver when you see him. I think he was the only person who liked her half as well as you did. You are fucking... Porter, I will shoot you if I have to. James looked at Carter for a moment before grabbing him by the wrist and punching him hard in the ribs. Carter fumbled and James took his gun. James aimed it at Wren, right between his eyes where he'd shot Maury. He held his finger lightly on the trigger. Wren looked James straight in the eyes. You could not kill me if you wanted to, James, and you do not want to. 
James exhaled sharply. He took his finger off the trigger and lowered the gun. You're right, Ren. And you know damn well Mori could not have either. He shoved the gun back into Carter's hand. Sure you could have shot me if you had to, Carter. James turned his back on Ren entirely, opened the door to the hall, and left. The inside of the office and the officials crowded outside were all silent. James did not pull the door shut behind him. He gestured broadly to the crowd. Unless I missed a memo, this is a fucking office, not a theater. Stop gawking and get the fuck out of here. James pointed at a few faces he recognized as belonging to corrections. Especially you fuckers. Get the fuck back down to the hellhole. No one moved. James pushed and shoved his way through the group, shoving even people who were not particularly in his way. He heard a few murmurs, and he heard Ren's voice saying to leave him be that he had had a difficult day. That patronizing asshole. James was fuming his entire walk home, his thoughts a blur of expletives and bitterness. When he stepped into the room, something else hit entirely. Maury was dead. Little Miss Maury, death incarnate, executioner and monster. His lover, his friend. James washed his hands slowly in the bathroom sink. They had blood on them, and he was not entirely sure whose it was. He did not look at himself in the mirror. He crawled into bed still dressed. His sheets smelled like Maury, sex and blood and licorice, and... There were strands of her hair still on the pillows, her makeup smudged on the corners. James felt an absolute sinking feeling. Maury had told him she was afraid of how Ren would act, and James had let her alone with him. He felt an overwhelming sense of regret. He tried to tell himself that eventually Ren would have had the chance to kill her, no matter what James had done differently, but he did not entirely believe it. He did not entirely believe Ren had been planning to kill her before he pulled his gun on her, likely forced her to pull a knife out, and shot her. Eventually, there was a knock at the door. James ignored it. He pulled the blanket over his head and cried himself to a sort of half-sleep where he tried to imagine that Maury had found herself as actual death now, that she would be riding a horse through the sky with a flaming crossbow. While James knew she would have been tickled at the thought, it did little to change the fact that he did not want Maury riding some horse with flaming crossbows through the sky. He wanted to find her sitting at the breakfast bar sipping tea, laying in his bathtub leaving a red ring from blood around the edges, bursting into the room to call him a little bitch for crying. James did not answer or charge his communicator, answer the door, or do much of anything else besides lie in bed pondering the bottle of whiskey he had left on his nightstand for what seemed to be ages, but amounted to about a week. James could not smell Maury on the sheets anymore. He showered and dressed himself half-heartedly. He saw himself in the mirror as he walked past the bathroom to leave. His facial hair had filled in along his chin strap, and he was sporting a fledgling beard. Maury would have killed him if he had gone out looking as ungroomed as he did. Yes, he mumbled under his breath. But Maury is dead. James had rehearsed on the way to corrections what hallways he would take to avoid running into anyone. But by the time he got there, he simply did not care enough to bother. He walked in through the front door and grunted slightly at Dante as he passed. Dante glanced up from his desk. I was starting to wonder if I should send someone out to collect your corpse, too. James did not stop to listen to Dante. Dante followed him back into his office, still talking. You know, Ren has been trying to get a hold of you for the last week, and he's not the only one. 
James walked faster. Dante struggled to keep up. Actually, you need to talk to Ollie as well, and check in on a few cases. Ollie's been doing his best as the assistant work, but he's not quite trained enough to fill your shoes entirely. I've been able to help him with most of the minor protocol issues while the boys out front have been good enough to fill in for me, even though that still leaves me taking gobs of paperwork home. If you could at least approve a new front-end assistant for me, even a goddamn intern would be better than nothing without thin we are stretched. James stopped walking abruptly at his office and dug his keys from his pocket. Dante started talking faster. And you should probably know that Ren came down to take care of a few of the mobs and ends that you were supposed to sign off on and to fix- Good for Ren. James hovered his hand over the doorknob. You know, Ren rather needs your help running the place, too. I mean, we all need your help running the place. You're the only other person who can sign off on shit besides Ren, and as much as he's been trying to even out the issues with corrections, enforcing and delinquency as a whole still get top priority. With that in mind, the least you can do is act like an- James turned to face Dante. First of all, Dante, do you not have shit to do? I have a hard time believing you are accomplishing more than reading pulp novels at the front desk and taking short breaks to suck off the guards in the break room, but I suppose that at least keeps morale up. Second, if Ren wanted to talk to me that bad, he has a copy of my apartment keys because we were, at some point, I thought, pretty good friends before he decided to shoot my lover right between the fucking eyes. Thirdly, as previously mentioned, Ren shot Mori between the goddamn eyes. Unless Ren has died some tragic death or otherwise got some sort of repercussions for his actions, I do not give a fuck about what Ren needs or wants or is trying to do. So page me if the guilt gets him and he finally decides to follow through with offing himself so I can come spit on his corpse, preferably while it is still warm. Otherwise, I could not care less about that sociopathic fucking weirdo. Dante stood silent for a moment, looking somewhat mortified. Anything else you want to nag me about? Dante looked uncomfortable. If you feel that strongly against Ren at the moment, I do. James turned back to the door. I would advise against going in your office. James went in his office and saw what Dante meant as he finished saying it. Sat at his desk, where Maury should have been leaned back with her feet up sharpening her knives, Ren was sat surrounded by paperwork with a cigarette still smoking in the ashtray he had clearly brought with him. Ren watched him stand in the doorway. You and Maury really did deserve each other, asshole. I will be back at the front desk to half-guard things and suck cock then. Dante meandered off in a huff. James took a step forward into the room and nodded his head towards the back corner. File folder, bottom shelf, and I'll be on my way. Ren turned slightly in his chair, grabbed the folder, turned and held it out to James. James took a step forward and reached out one hand to take the folder. Ren did not let go of it. James stumbled awkwardly and took a step closer so he was on sturdy footing. He tugged lightly on the folder. Spit on my corpse is a bit cliche, is it not? Ren looked up at him for a second, then looked away. Although I applaud your use of sociopathic to qualify fucking weirdo, it was rather poetic. Ren, I would kill you if killing you was not a death sentence. Shame many of the people who hate you enough to want to kill you despite that feel the same way about me. Ren stood, still holding onto the folder. Please close the door. I have a few things to discuss with you. I do not want to hear your bullshit excuses, Ren. Not about Mori, about work. James rolled his eyes. What, Ren? Please close the door and have a seat so we may talk. James let go of the file and held his hands up. Fine, keep the fucking file. I literally was going to do my fucking job, but forget it. He turned to leave. James, wait. James stopped in the doorway. He thought for a moment and turned back to face Ren. 
Did Maury ask you to wait before you shot her? Is that why you're in my office? Yours is still being cleaned, is it not? Since Maury is spattered across the floor of your office, you're sitting in mine where she should be. James could feel himself nearly starting to cry. He realized he did not hardly have the energy to be angry. He ran his hand down his face and was reminded how disheveled he was. One woman that put up with me ran. One. Out of all the women in the complex. James covered his eyes. His voice came out a near whimper. You can literally get away with murder, Ren. It did not have to be her. You did not have to destroy her, not my Miss Maury. James turned to leave. James, please just come back in here and discuss this with me. James shook his head and pulled the door shut behind him. He was hungry and tired. He wanted to fight Ren. He wanted to absolutely throttle Ren. But he knew he was absolutely powerless over Ren. If Ren had so much as a whim, James would be in corrections set for his own execution to be carried out by Ollie or Ren himself or any other person in the complex. Ren could do whatever Ren wanted. And James knew Ren knew that. James stopped in the market to pick up some groceries. He started to grab a loaf of bread, but they all reminded him of sitting in the office eating toast with Maury. He forced himself to grab a jar of soup, which at least did not make him feel anything to look at. He walked home like it was part of the same routine and heated the soup, waiting for a knock on the door for the door to just be broken in. He felt like he was going through the motions, going through the motions of going through the motions, and then he felt nothing again. James ate half a cup of his lukewarm soup and stuck it the pot straight in the fridge before climbing back into bed. He considered the whiskey again, but could only feel mad at himself he did not drink it with her the night she was so excited about her transformation. James lost track of time. He slept for random intervals, ate the stray bite of cold soup before deciding he was not hungry after all. He changed clothes occasionally, but mostly sat around in the same outfit, wandering from room to room thinking and trying not to think. He sat fully dressed in the bottom of the bathtub, leaning back and sipping some orange juice he had found in the back of the fridge out of a dirty mug. He had already played over the obvious memories, laying in the bathtub with Maury, telling her he would always think of her as death, expecting never to see her again, sitting at the breakfast bar with her eating stale pound cake. All the last few months where things had been pretty good, sometimes not so good, but mostly good. James thought of what he had decided were the middle days with Maury. The early days with Maury were from the point when she first showed up to the point she was comfortable and cocky enough with James to defy him. The middle days had lasted, he had figured, until the point he had gotten stabbed. Although he thought that perhaps they should have been considered to start as soon as Maury began to care enough about him to save his life. He took another sip. Three times. She had saved his life three times. The first time he had been stuck in the back of corrections and his backup fainted of all things. There he had been, and Maury, almost timid, had snuck in behind him and knifed the fuckers in the jugular. James told her he would not be upset about her following him, if she said how often she did it. It was around the time that James had threatened to put a bell on her because she had a habit of sneaking up on him and dropping from the rafters onto his back, kneeing him in the sides and yelling, Yah! He laughed suddenly and the noise startled him. He dropped the orange juice on himself and the room was silent again except for the droplets of fermented juice dripping into the tub. James leaned his head back and stared at the ceiling. He was aware how fragmented and sporadic his thoughts were, 
half-memories and speculations and possibilities. He still wanted Mori back, but knowing damn well he could not bring her back, what he wanted almost more was someone to talk to. He wanted some comfort. He wanted to sort out his thoughts over a beer with someone who knew her. There were moments where he reflexively reached for his communicator to see if Ren wanted to chat before it hit him in another wave that Ren was the one who killed her. Of all the people, of all the chances she had had, all the dances with death and dumb shit she had done, Ren shot her, executed her. He had promised not to kill her. He had said he had grown quite fond of her. James thought he could hear Maury laughing. Too fond. Everyone was. James threw the mug across the room. It hit the towels and landed on the floor with a thud on the mat, denying him the satisfaction of breaking. It eventually dawned on James how uncomfortable and cramped his legs were. He had never fit in the bath well, and only ever bothered to try with Maury. He drug himself out of the tub and walked clumsily to the bedroom with half-asleep legs to check the time. It was late some day or other. He climbed in bed and set an alarm for the next morning. James walked to the office rehearsing how he would handle Wren if he was in his office again. Moreover, he considered how he was going to make Wren's life difficult, how he would leak the secret cases he was pursuing, compile evidence for the atrocities Wren had committed, start talking to everyone about the truth. That Wren was not a lucky, invincible psychic. That when Wren had killed men with his bare hands, he had had James aiming a gun at the victim. Before he got to the office, it hit him that most everyone already knew or suspected Ren was not really a superhuman. Ren's true power was not his attention to detail or perception or intuition. It was that everyone played along, too afraid or complacent to say anything. Ren had become an icon as much as a person, and in that sense he was invincible. Even if anything did happen to Ren, the human, nothing could happen to Ren, the legend. Ren could die, and he would still be living on, wandering the surface, lurking around forgotten corridors, leaving little notes on protocol. The fact was anything James did to try to ruin Ren would ruin himself long before it could have any lasting effect on Ren. Even death would not have a lasting effect on Ren. As distraught as he was, as pissed off as he was, there was no revenge. And he knew Ren already knew that. If James had had any leverage on Ren, Maury would still be alive, and James would be dead. James entered through the furthest back hallway, as he did not want to deal with Dante's sass, or worse, Rogers backing up Dante's sass. When he got into his office, the door was wide open. Last I checked, I'm pretty sure it says James Porter on the door. James stepped in to find Dante emptying the contents of his desk drawers into boxes. What the fuck are you doing? Dante looked up. Check again on the door thing. James took a step back and looked. His nameplate had been taken off the door. He looked back to Dante. Dante held out a piece of paper. Nice to make your acquaintance, tramp who bears a passing resemblance to the once respected James Porter. I'm Dante Paradis, head of corrections. Apparently the director of the division recognizes that I do more than pretend to guard the front desk and suck cock, or else decided that my pretending would be more beneficial than head of corrections who likes to play dead for a week at a time. James snatched the paper from him. Dante was not lying. Where the hell does this leave me? Dante took the paper back and shrugged. That is between you and Ren. If I were you, I would probably figure that out before the paperwork to suspend your access and benefit cards goes through. James stood dumbstruck. He had not considered that Ren would fire him. There has to have been a mistake. 
Dante raised his eyebrows and pursed his lips. Yes, that mistake might have been telling your boss you could not wait to spit on his corpse. James looked at the ground and noticed a bit of blood stained into the carpet in a limping streak. I will have one of the boys bring your stuff by later. Sure. James started to leave. You off to talk to Ren? James ignored Dante and set off down the hall deeper into corrections. James felt invisible, walking down the corrections hall past the guards. They noticed him, clearly, but pretended not to. No one nodded or joked around asking to see his identification and access card. At the most, he got a quick glance away. James wondered briefly if it was on Ren's order. Not having the excuse to off him, he just ordered the world to go on without him. He could imagine Ren holding a real pretend eulogy. Succumbed to death. James scuffed his feet. If he had not been useful to Ren, he suspected Ren would have written him off a long time ago. James never belonged in corrections. James shook his head. No one belonged in corrections besides Maury. James passed the spot he had guarded when he was first assigned to corrections. Foolish. He could have been managing family planning by now. Sat in a cushy office, working minimum hours, going home to a family of his own. If he had kept his mouth shut when they had started to go after Ren and Luna, hell, he could have helped. Could have turned them in but at the very least not hindered. Maybe then Luna would be alive too, and Ren would be happy or at least distracted. He shook his head again. Like Maury had said, the drinking, the dirty dishes and towels on the floor, everything else wrong with him. She was the only one who he could have settled down with who wanted to. If he had not come to corrections, he never would have met her. And he would have been alone, taking a lover here or there before they inevitably decided he was not worth it. But no one to come home to. No settling down. He stood still and clamped his eyes shut for a moment so he would not cry and tried to think of something else. He started to breathe carefully, like how Ren did, but as soon as he thought of Ren again, he opened his eyes and resumed walking, more determined than before. He rounded the corner and climbed down several sets of stairs before he reached the solitary hallway. He stopped at the second door and dug his keys out. He had the only key to ensure that all contact from the outside was impersonal through a slot at the bottom of the door. He shut the door behind himself before bothering to look around. The small room was dimly lit, and constantly so. There was a mattress on the floor in one corner. It was not much of a mattress at this point, no blankets on top. A sink and a toilet in the other corner. Only cold water came from the tap. A man James knew to be Lexington, but hardly recognized as Lexington, was lying in the middle of the floor, on his back. There were markings on the floor that were indecipherable. James presumed Lexington had been responsible for them. Lex was thin, gaunt, and dirty. His facial hair had grown into a long matted beard. His eyes were shut and he had not moved since James had entered the room. James put his back against the wall and slid to the floor. He held his legs and rested his chin on his knees and waited a few moments. You dead or dumb, Lex? Lexington opens his eyes. James? He sat himself up. James Porter, is that you? Yeah, it is me, James Porter. James tilted his head back and looked at the impossibly high ceiling. James Porter killed men with his bare hands, bitched to death, former left-hand man. Ghost. Each title came out a little quieter until he only mouthed the last. It is good to see you. It is good when I see anyone. 
Lexington's voice was lower than James remembered it being. James rocked himself back and forth slightly. You were just a fucking kid. He looked at Lexington. He had to be about the same age as Maury, earlier mid-twenties. You're still just a fucking kid. Lexington did not say anything, and it was quiet for a moment. Why did you come down here? Truthfully, James's voice squeaked slightly. I'm pretty fucking desperate for someone to talk to right now. What about Ren? Or Miss Maury? I thought you were close. You knew about Maury and I? She used to come down and talk to me, unless I imagined her. Lexington looked off towards the corner. She reminded me a lot of the spider, but she had a very sweet voice when she wanted to. Lexington looked back to James. I did not imagine her, did I? James shook his head. What did Maury want with you? Lexington scooted until his back was against the wall opposite of James. He looked at James constantly, but never quite made eye contact, like an animal trying to submit. First she wanted to know about you, then she wanted to know about Wren, and then she wanted to know about Luna. Lexington exhaled slowly. We did not talk much about Luna. He finally made eye contact with James. But you were right about the knives. James was not in the least surprised. He smiled slightly. It was just like Maury to take advantage of any bit of information she could scrounge up, and Lexington would have been a gold mine for dirt, especially on Wren. He brought his hands to his face. If you would not mind, tell her I will tell her anything she wants if she comes back. Lexington spoke quietly. I miss her voice. I miss her voice too. James spoke into his arms. He unfolded himself and looked at Lexington. His voice came out stronger. Wren killed her. I thought she was pretty important to delinquency. Yes, she was. James shut his eyes for a moment and then opened them again. You going anywhere tonight, or should I just go ahead and tell the whole story? Lexington almost laughed. Go ahead. I have the rest of my life. James told Lexington everything. Poppy, the bar fight, the ball, the stabbing, the sex, on and on, months and months worth of every moment. Lexington listened quietly, his eyes attentive. After James had exhausted his story, Lexington was quiet a few moments longer, as though being alone had made him somewhat more ponderous. Lexington finally spoke. I am sure he killed her intentionally, but I do not think Wren killed Maury because he was in love with her and jealous she chose you. Crime of passion definitely does not sound like Wren. James thought a moment. Lexington was right. Wren had not loved Maury. Wren had not even loved Luna, not for a long time anyway. Wren had obsessed. He had picked and idolized. But at the end, he loved who he and Luna had been or could have been, not who she was. If he had loved either Luna or Maury, they would be alive, contentedly living their lives. Luna in her garden poking at her plants, and Maury sharpening her knives. If he had really loved either of them, he would have exercised his discipline and let them go. It had gotten worse as time had gone on, but James had noticed a trend that sometimes Wren tried a little too hard to feel or be or act normal. But he still killed Maury, regardless of the motive, regardless of his own struggles and self-fulfilled tragedies. Why did you kill Luna? Lexington did not hesitate, but he spoke quite softly. I have said a million times, I did not mean to. 
Alright, how do you accidentally fillet someone? I saw the bloody bundle of blankets in Luna. Did not look accidental. Lexington shut his eyes while he spoke. The pills I was taking made me see the spider. Luna saw her too and Ren saw her. They talked and played card games and reminisced. I thought I was killing the spider. I know this sounds insane. At the time, I was insane. Everyone was insane. He looked at James. The fact I killed her haunts me every day. I swear I see her on the bed there. I swear she visits. Maybe I went when I'm dreaming. She flirts with me and giggles sweetly, but her body's all sliced open. She would not have blamed you. I know. Lexington stared at the mattress. That makes it worse. It has been so many nights or days or whatever that all I can think of is her. There are no happy memories anymore, just her muscles and guts and her whispering that she knows I did not mean to. James put his hand in his pocket and met the pocket knife he had given to Maury. Do you want anything? Like a book or something to get your mind off it? James pulled the knife out and turned it in his hands. No, I just want a way out, James. If you want to do me a kindness, let me die. James did not say anything for a long time. He just sat fidgeting with the knife and watching Lexington, who did not move or speak. You're not a bad guy, Lex. You're a little shit sometimes, and I truly have never really liked you. But this is just inhuman. Lexington did not look at him. James stood and held his fist out to Lexington without thinking any further about it. When Lexington finally held his hand out, James dropped the knife into his hand. Lexington took it quickly and clutched it close to him as though he was afraid James would change his mind. Ren is going to kill you. James shook his head. Is Maury's knife. But if he wanted to kill me over this, he was already looking for an excuse to. I will live, James shrugged. Or not. James? Yeah? Out of every person I met in delinquency, you were the only human. James turned back from the door and looked at Lexington. He remembered Lexington as Lex, dopey, bright blonde, blue-eyed, 17-year-old twerp hand-shredding James's papers as a cosmic punishment for being too eager to please. His vision blurred slightly and he gestured towards the knife. Do you want help with that, kid? Lexington nodded. His face was wet and his eyes clenched shut. He held the knife back to James. James took the knife and flicked it open. He did not want to kill Lexington, but it felt the most human thing to do. He thought about who he knew that had been the most human and realized when he thought human, truly human, he thought Luna. He thought about how he had realized while sitting, drinking whiskey and coffee with her after she had reported Lex, that he had missed her. He missed her sharp humor and kind, nonchalant responses, sharp but never malicious. He thought of how she had washed his and Ren's wounds from sparring with each other with little notice at odd hours of the day so they did not have to sit around in urgent care, and how she always sent Ren with an extra pastry for James when she made them. The only human you ever met was Luna and you fucking killed her. I would say you were as bad as Ren, but you were worse. At least Maury, by all same definitions, deserved to die. Lexington opened his eyes and looked up at James. James looked around the room. Ren does not even like pastries. He has some weird aversion to them. The texture in his mouth, he says it's like eating bread covered in slimy sand. Which does not even make any fucking sense, but you know what the man is goddamn maniac, so of course he hates pastries. 
James gestured towards himself. Luna made those pastries for me because she knew I kept Ren's cocky ass out of trouble. James fell from agitated to somber. He flicked the knife open and shut repeatedly before he made up his mind. He held the blade against Lexington's throat. Lex... James's voice cracked. Lexington let out a weak grunt of acknowledgement. Whether you come across Luna or Mori, tell her I miss her. <laughs>